Hey, get in the Facebook groups. Comment when everyone needs a roofer. Comment when there's other stuff and refer people and tag them. Let's say you invite all hundred of them into that Facebook group or two or three Facebook community groups that you found. Five to 50 million that I've hung out with tend to be people that like really had to mature faster than they wanted to. People, businesses advertising things that they're doing to help other people. I hear a lot of yeah. polarized um, opinions on the topic. So, Tim, I really love your uh, your AI photo. It's cute. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, folks were really nice about all the AI photos. The day I put out an AI photo, everyone decided to just roast them to bits. I mean, worse things can happen. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean frankly, I deserved it. I remember thinking... <laughs> I was about to put it out. I was like, dude, this is a little lame, Tim. No, yeah, like, no. fuck it. Yellow. Yeah, you got to yellow sometimes. Uh, it's the Hook Better Leads podcast. We're starting casual. You know what? Maybe we'll master this and we'll just like get real relaxed into it like Joe Rogan does. Where it's, it's, it's That's disgusting. That, that was the inspiration while I was like, I'll take yeah. the lead here. I just, I do like the, just the casual intro. Oh, for sure. And yeah. then he's just like, oh, what do you, you yeah want what about work? psilocybin you want to take yeah, some no. mushrooms yeah he's, he's yeah. just like you you want a little top up over there he's always, <laughs> always like pouring some beverage it's like a product but it's like kind of cool like either energizes them or like it's like an upper or downer or something like that yeah i mean but legal you know uh okay so we are talking about how to get free leads basically from facebook groups and you know, the last podcast, if you didn't watch it, you should go watch it. It's on Michael's channel, Ascend Digital Agency. It's talking about things you should do, changes you should make in a recession for your marketing. And one of them that I talked about and really kind of hammered is you got to figure out what you can do on your own to get free leads and hammer that. Like you should always, you should be kind of pushing in rather than withdrawing when there's risk of recession. So I'll start it off with Michael. Why? Why face local Facebook groups? What is, and what's the problem that this is solving? Yeah. Well, this is where your audience is. Right. And to your point, like most people don't struggle with identifying what it is that they can do. They, they struggle with executing and hammering, like you had said, those things that they have identified that they can do themselves to generate opportunities. So get the shit done, right? You probably know what you got to do. If you don't ask him, ask myself, ask, you know, there's a lot of people that can give you good advice on what to do, but we'll talk more about that now. This might be a who, not how situation too. Like you might just need to have the right person on this. I was telling my client forever to do this. Hey, get in the Facebook groups, comment when everyone needs a roofer, comment when there's other stuff and refer people and tag them. And it was a good idea, but he doesn't have time to do that. Right. He's running the gunning, man. His company is hitting 10 million this year. That's crazy. That's freaking sweet. But it's not him. You know what I mean? Like, I just read this book. So whenever I read a book, it's always like the thing that's like going on in my brain at that moment. Who, not how. And it talks about how like you're, you're going to decrease your vision. Just like if you're going to have to do everything that you you know, you envision, but if right. you don't, if you don't have to do it yourself, your vision is going to get bigger and bigger. 
So like, this might be one of those things where like, don't count this out just because you don't have time. Maybe somebody on your team could do this. Who on your team could do this? Yeah. And that's a great point. And you know what I find, and it's not just like ideas that I give people. A lot of people give me ideas like clients when we're just sitting there kind of spitballing, having a strategy session, you know, they come up with fascinating ideas, great ideas that I really do believe in and think would work. And then they, what I call just die on the table, right? We circle back to that conversation four months from now, like whatever happened with, you know, to doing this, it's like, I got busy. So that's like the who thing, right? Finding somebody who can implement those, all those great ideas. So, I mean, I guess it starts with writing it down, write down your good ideas, write down the shit ones too. Mm. You know, (laughs) my Google, my, my uh, iOS notepad is fucking full of really good and really shitty ideas and everything in between. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Okay. So just so you know, at the end of this, uh, Mike's going to give a link, a short link to a resource that you can implement this step by step. And if you go there, you'll you'll get like pictures and everything, exactly what to do. But I wanna tackle, we're gonna talk about the strategy here too. We're gonna, we're gonna share some of it. Yeah. Um, this, uh, as specific as we can get, but I think that no matter what, you should download this resource and you can then send that over to somebody and have them do it from that. Um, can we talk about what kind of groups, like where do we find these groups? You know, it's the local Facebook groups, but what would you look for in the perfect groups to join? And do you, how many do you want to, would you look for if it was you? There's, there's no shortage of groups that I would want to be in. If I have to prioritize, I'm going to do it by volume, right? Because if there's a, a larger volume of people that are interacting in those groups, there's a stronger likelihood that somebody's going to be looking for a contractor in those groups, right? Uh, mm-hmm. so that, that would be the first thing. So anywhere where I service, you know, I would do a Google search if, if mm-hmm. that's all I've got is, you know, Facebook groups, roofer, you know, ABC, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and like Google will give you results. And oftentimes yeah. you can find a, a local group in that area. There's more effective ways to do it through Facebook to isolate those certain areas that you want to be in. Uh, but that's the way that I would do it first and foremost. Yeah. So start with like, what city are you in right now? Probably like your main city. There's usually a couple, at least if it's a bigger city, there's many more. And like kind of poke around. You're looking for ones that are active and lively and people like kind of trust them. And you'll see everyone's asking for recommendations on stuff. Like they're just sitting in there asking, hey, do you know uh, this home service, this home service, or this restaurant. They're asking about questions about the local area and who to trust. Sure. Now, t- I'm sorry, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Okay. So you can also search those groups. Like when you click into the group, you get, you know, you, your invite gets accepted or your request to join gets accepted. There's like a little magnifying glass. And depending on if you're desktop or mobile, there'll be something where you can search within that group and search for things like roofing, roofer, exteriors, siding. So you can see, and then you could sort it further chronologically, like most recent, like how actively are people looking for your services in this group? Because here's the thing, you can do really well by simply raising your hand within one of those groups, tagging your company and talking about what you do. 
right? That'll get you good exposure. And even if that person, a lot of the times it's not even the person that's looking or, or asking for it. A lot of times it's the other people that are looking that are of the, the most amount of value. Because mm. if there's 10,000 people, there's probably half of those people that never interact, never post, never do anything, but I promise you, they see you, you know, so yep. there's, there's benefits as you kind of just raising your hand and, yep. and you talking about yourself. But if you find a group, because there might be a hundred groups in your service area and maybe there's not time to sort through all that minutia. If you find a handful of groups that people are super active in, like that's where like the 2.0 strategy comes in of where you start taking your current customers and incorporate it as part of your pitch to recruit them to come into that ecosystem and join those community groups and mm. have them be the ones tagging your company. There's more credibility with it yeah. and it's more scalable, right? I know you. I know you're gonna like include all that in your guide as well. Like you're gonna show exactly that, how to. Yeah, do that. that was the teaser. There's way yeah, more to it. Yeah, yeah. There's, that's a really good strategy, and I hope all of you go grab that guide. Um, I want to talk about a few other nuances here. Like you were saying, so it's not just the person who posted, and I want to kind of just give a little perspective on that. Like people tag you, tag I in these things on Facebook groups, and sometimes I don't actually want that customer. Like people are like, I need a website in one month. I'm like, oh, we're not the one, you know, but I'll be very, I'm very cordial and I still pitch, like not pitch, but you know, I still like say, oh, thank you so much for tagging me. And this is what we do. That's a little bit different. And like you're saying, people that didn't post the thing originally are looking at that. So just basically treat every single one like it could lead to real business. Even if the original poster, it's not something that's like, exact ideal customer for you. I think just noting that, you know, sometimes people will avoid that altogether. Um, if, if it's not, if they know that deal, they wouldn't like, or like they're like rude about it or something. You know? Well, and, they, and perfect yeah. example, right? Like, let's say you have your defined service area and let's say somebody posts looking for a roofer and you click into their profile and you see that they're in a part of town that you don't want to service. So you might pass on posting there. It's not a good strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Get the exposure because again, I would, if gun to my head, I haven't broken down the study, but over the last five years of being active in Facebook, local, like Facebook contractor groups, I would say gun to my head, 90 to 95% of the people that reach out to me have never posted, Hey, I need help with website. Hey, I need help with SEO. It's not them. It's everybody else in the background. They don't, they don't have any engagement in these groups, but they see what's going on. They yeah. lean on these groups as a resource to help make a decision, not just for marketing, for a lot of different things. And homeowners in your community, in your neighborhoods are doing the same thing when it comes to those local community groups on Facebook. For the full resource, go check out Michael Stearns on Facebook. Just DM him or post a uh, comment below on his recent post that, offers this and he'll send it to you. But basically the other question I have is how do you identify the resource or when is it appropriate for a business owner to do this themselves? Like what, you know what I mean? And, and all marketing stuff, like when is yeah. it really, what revenue are they at or what would you use as criteria to determine <sighs> when it should be them versus somebody on their team? Yeah. And that's a really good question. I think there's, there's two components of that. When should it be done? Fucking a year ago, like whenever day one, seriously. Yeah. Now who's executing that task and who's carrying it out. 
that's likely going to change. And for some people that might be, you find somebody, you hire somebody when you reach a million and you've got an admin assistant and maybe they're working part-time and you task her, her or him with doing it. Or maybe it's once you hit 1.5 and I don't have a great answer for that. Cause that's going to depend on the company structure. Yeah. I and, would say before then it's definitely could be you. Should and be. it depends on how much you're on Facebook. Cause some of these things, it's just when you catch them, you know what I mean? Right. When you see it pop up and ideally later on to maybe you have a few people, three to five people in, in the groups and you can all kind of tag team and like each other's comment and whatnot. So like, there's definitely, and that's probably on the 10, you know, towards 10 million and not like, you know, Michael and I work with a lot of companies in those ranges. So before one though, it's probably you, like a lot of marketing tasks, I believe you should be scrappy and you yep. should be learning some marketing yourself so that, you can delegate better when it's time to uh, delegate some marketing stuff. That's my personal take on it. I'm going to give you some real worthy shit here that you could chop up and you're going to get tons of views on. It's going to be great. <laughs> so let's do some quick math. Let's say you service a hundred customers in your first year of doing business. Let's say you invite all hundred of them into that Facebook group or two or three Facebook community groups that you found. And let's say, 10 to 20% of them actually accept the invite and maybe half of those actually start advocating for you. You now have five to 10 people that are consistently going out and being brand ambassadors on your behalf where you don't have to do a fucking thing. Mm -hmm. Right? So you could be at a million, you'd be at 5 million, you'd be at 3 million or 20 million. And depending on how many customers you've got, you're going to create that type of ecosystem where people are pounding your name in the comments when people are asking and it's on autopilot. You don't have to do shit. And I just want to note, Michael does this, and it's it works for him. And it's it's a mixture of both, obviously, asking at the beginning in the, of the relationship and delivering on your service so that they feel compelled to do that. And so, like, it doesn't happen if you don't offer a stellar service. Right. You also have to ask, right? Well, and think about how fucking great it is. The guys, the shit bags that you that people are arguing with or trying to beat out and, and saying they're losing deals on price, they don't have the luxury of doing this because they're not going to create that experience or deliver that product that is going to compel somebody to go out of their way to help them. Contractors love the catch-all because it makes every single one of their roof builds easier and more profitable. Protective netting wraps facade and landscaping to prevent from left-behind nails and damage. Homeowner referrals bring you more jobs and insurance supplements bring you more profits. But my favorite part, the branding. Mm -hmm. So inherently, yeah. the quality is going to be better and the authority is going to be better that you have walking into that conversation with that homeowner. Yeah. And then on the other side, you've got people, yeah, that are just in people's DMs. They're kind of badgering them once they post something. You'll look totally different if they reach out to you. Like, I don't know. I like them to reach out to me. Sometimes I'll pop in their DMs if the, if somebody tags me and they seem interested. But sometimes I like it. I'll just, I like it when they wait, when they come to me. Yeah. Who doesn't? In yeah. a sales position, right? Yeah. So, and, you know, I say do it day one, do it fucking last year, like as soon as possible, because here's what happens. You know, I'm in the Northeast, you're in the Midwest. It gets cold, shit slows down. So if you happen to be in one of those situations where 
you know, your, your cost per click is, is going up because it's getting more competitive. And, you know, you couple that with lower search volume and leads are slowing down inherently because we're be, we're right between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And that's not atypical for that to happen. Now it's you're scrambling and it's like, what can I do to, to, uh, to capitalize and generate more opportunities for my salespeople? If you start doing that shit today, Next year, it's going to be a different conversation. You're going to have many more opportunities that aren't going to cost you money, which ultimately makes you more profitable, but you can't wait until the symptoms of the problem arise to take the medicine. Take the fucking medicine. Do the preventative care. What other things are are good for people to do with their time? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was I was a um, early business owner with no employees, no resources. And all that stuff. One thing I mm. would do, this is a weird one, offline, is just go take people to lunch. I made a a lunch budget, man. I had a lunch every single day. When I first went out on my own, I like, and I was focused on Minneapolis. So I was a local business at that time. I was sure. focused on Minneapolis. Had a lunch every single day <laughs> with another person that could have could refer me business. Was like yeah. around my type of customer. Took them out, paid for the lunch. Nice lunches, you know? That's not cheap. 60 bucks, you know? A nice lunch. And didn't, I mean, I just told them what I do and was clear about it. But And I'm just like, hey, if there's any, what else can I refer you? That type of stuff. That's, I mean, it seems like that's a pretty cheap, good deal, though, from my experience. I had, I've had business and employees come from those people still years and years later. Um, just networking really. And it, it does seem expensive, but it's ultimately like anything in person is always going to be a lot cheaper. I mean, dude, if you have, if you have 50 of those lunches, you're probably somewhere in the ballpark of what your cost per acquisition is now. Right. So like, yeah. is it expensive? It's all, it's all relative. Right. Yeah. Um. So, I think of things like this, whether, whether you're paying attention to it or not, whether you know it or not, there are going to be certain customers that you service that you can, you can draw from to create opportunities that are going to be more likely to be lucrative for your business. So for instance, let's say you find, you do a, you rip off a three tab roof that was 20 years old in a subdivision three months ago and you know that every home and there's 400 homes in that, in that lot that were built at, in the same year, like, guess what? They all need new fucking roofs. So what if you pulled like a roof measurement, whether it's an Eagle view roofer, whatever the case may be, and you send them like a, a proposal, right? Mm-hmm. Or you go, you print the proposals and go knock on the door and have a conversation talking mm-hmm. about the roof system that you installed and why it's important that you need to be having this conversation. Hmm. So like there there are yeah. honey holes that you can Yeah, hit. we did yeah. <laughs> Always love when you use the word honey holes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, right? Like there there are opportunities and if you are present in the moment and, and make note of these things, like though that's like a great thing. And maybe you don't agree with exactly the approach or, or that I always agree with anything, dude, anything offline and direct and more specific. I always agree with it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, more so the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, but it's like, you know, you can massage that 
20 different ways, right? Maybe it's something where you do it as a direct mailing campaign and the QR code leads to the proposal or the instant replenishment. Recommending that we massage the honey hole. <laughs> Love the idea of postcards. Um, however, you hit that local area, but you hit it three, five ways, right? You're not hitting it just one way, right? You're hitting it with the door knocking. You're hitting it with postcards. You're hitting it with Facebook remarketing. You're hitting it however you can. I love that. But let me stop you there because a lot of people aren't doing that, right? They're sure. not doing any of those. Yeah. So maybe it's something to where like in job progress, in Aculinks, whatever, you know, if an indicator of somebody needing a roof that you find is on average that, hey, if it's 20 years old, they typically call us right around this time or it's 15 years old or it's set, whatever the case may be. Like this would be especially in retail environments. Maybe you have that added or you, there's some sort of disposition you can have implemented into your CRM. It doesn't necessarily have to be a checkbox that says 20 years old, but maybe there's a certain flag that you can put on it to identify that this is one of those scenarios so that come December when shit's slow, you can run a report and fucking 13 keystrokes and you can identify, Hey, there's 37 houses that we've done that had a roof that were 20 years old. Let's go and canvas that area. Let's do this campaign to that area. Let's do all these mm -hmm. campaigns to that area. Yeah. It's time to sell a course, Mike. You got to sell Listen. a course now. Hold on, hold on. It's Mike's got a course. It, it's the flight simulation. When is it coming? Brought to, you, brought to you by Send Digital. Is that a real thing? Are you foreshadowing? Is this an announcement? You never know. Dude, I totally nixed my course, and now Mike's just coming out with his on my podcast. <laughs> All right. Make sure you get the link to the, to the guide, too. <laughs> yeah. Get the guide. No, for real, though, guys. Go check out Michael Stearns on Facebook. Grab the guide. Real. That doesn't really necessarily have to do with Facebook groups, but you could do it there, too. Why don't you, like, if you've got some really interesting shit that differentiates you, something like, like, we developed an instant roof cost calculator. Roofer has one. Roofle has one, right? There's, there's options out there. And if you've pursued one of those options, that makes you really different still than a lot of different contractors. What if you took your really dope website that, you know, hook built or ascend built along with that fucking really dope tool or instrument that not many people have. What if you go to a place where there's a lot of homeowners and airdrop that shit? Hmm. What if you're at a Walmart or what if you're that. at a Home Depot or what if you're at, you know, Walmart's probably the worst idea, but what if you're at a Home Depot <laughs> Or you're with your family at fucking Red Lobster. Somebody owns a house in there. What does it hurt you just to airdrop it? It's free branding. Boom. A lot of yeah, people will deny you the request for the airdrop, yeah. by the way, but it's okay. Yeah, we were talking about that, you know, Google ad campaigns that are focused on price to that page, right? Like there's this quote to quote tools in general, but, I, you know, I'm team cut. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, quote tools in general, we want to drive people directly to that, especially ads that, you know, when people are uh, Googling for roof price, roof pricing, how much does a roof cost? That's a great spot to, like, send them to that landing page with the quote tool just directly to the landing page. I have one last adjacent topic, you know, whether we're talking about any of these estimating tools, Roofful or whoever, the, my question to you is, 
what do we, how prominent, how much are we pushing the tool versus, you know, like letting it be a secondary um, call to action? Where are you at on your journey with that? This is just kind of like a secondary topic here, but. Dude, we've been, Ascend, we've been doing it for the last couple of years, right? So we've got yeah. a ton of experience in leveraging this technology to generate opportunities. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's dependent on the client, honestly. Yeah. Like there has to be an understanding, like if you're going to use one of these tools, it's 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 used for to nurture the lead. It's not going to generate yeah. leads. I don't give a fuck which, which tool you have. It's not going to generate leads alone. In most instances, mm-hmm. until yeah. you start ranking for it, then yeah, and that's very—it's going to be very unlikely that you're going to rank for these terms, especially as more and more of these tools pop up on contractors' websites, and a couple of them have a sender hook behind them and are doing a lot of content under. A couple of them might be ranking nationally already, but yeah. anyhow, yeah. that's not oh, the point. Hey, dude, that's awesome. Hey, hey, I said May, and I didn't say who's. Yeah, anyhow, I so like it. I. It really does depend, right? Because some people, you know, you have to have speed to leads a real fucking thing. And you have to be okay with understanding, right? That this is going to take them from top of funnel and move them down. And there's going to be a percentage of people that fucking ghost you as a result of seeing that price. And that's okay. That's what we want. We don't want your sales rep spending three hours preparing and commuting and talking to a homeowner that was never going to buy when they find out they got to pay 15 K for a roof. We Mm. systematically use the tool to eliminate that just by the cost of $37 or whatever the ad click costs, get them the fuck out of the funnel and you'll be better off for it. This is a really good point. And you know, I had switched our website over to Calendly only. It was funny because I saw a few like competitors like follow us <laughs> and do Calendly only. And then two or three months later, I realized it was a mistake. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's kind of satisfying. But anyways, mm-hmm. it was a, a an illuminating thing. Yes, we had less tire kickers, less low end things. But it, it was a little too stringent. So that's right. why I'm still following the data. I'm still trying to understand this. I'm still, I'm pushing the quote tool as a secondary CTA on average. Um, it's it's prominent, but just there's also a form, right? I like a form available. And, you know, either of these tools or however, you know, however many there are out there probably would prefer that they all went through the tool or something, right. you know, so that yeah. they could get like, you know, attribution for every lead or whatever. But ultimately, I think you want to offer options at this point and try to understand how you know, some people are ready to go. Some people are ready to schedule or, you know, you know, get it going and move forward now. And some people are, are just, they just, they're lighter. Yeah. Lighter touch. Doesn't mean that they're a bad lead all the time. Just means they don't have. And when you start talking about primary, secondary, tertiary call to actions, like you yeah. do a really good job of this, right? Specifically yeah. is having multiple options for people to convert. Yeah. And even if the primary one is a little more flagrant than the secondary one, that option's still there and it's still pretty pronounced. Yeah. Right. So the other one is like pushing the phone number more. That That's something we've been like trying to do a little bit more is like right away, have the phone number, call it out. Like, you know, you and I both have great tools for tracking phone number, you know, calls. And so that call is easier for some, a lot of people just want to make a call. So like, and I, that's you, my preferred, that's my preferred method of yeah. 
of converting 100% of the time, because you know what, if we can get some skin in the game, build that rapport with the person on the other end of the phone, we can then send them to the tool. Right. Yeah. But you want to accommodate Most of our clients are going to have somebody there and always answering. It is scary when you listen to those calls. Sometimes if somebody's not right. So like stop what you're doing, don't do any more marketing at all. Go fix your call process. You know, Martin and Mark Goder from Riva call it the inside sales position. I think that that's a really good mindset shift for roofing, man. I think if we all could like basically prize our phone answering folks and stop calling them secretaries and stop calling them my office girl, that might be good for the industry because they're literally salespeople. They're just, Inside sales, they're just the first touch. What is the most important touch? You know, like you're, you're, and I'm saying, I know I'm saying something that's a little like spicy, but that's the thing is like, we need to give these people more training and we need to care more about the specifics of the phone answering process and what information they get and who's up next. So we don't have to like do a bunch of searching. When we're talking about bringing a customer on, we talk about like, what is your lead intake process, customer life cycle? What is the process when somebody calls your phone, if it rings six times, like, is there an overflow to where it's being patched out to somebody else or a call answering service after hours, weekends, like those yeah. are all very fundamental things. And I do that. And I'm sure you would do that as well or do that because you want to hedge against the outcome of we get 30 calls. We look at it and the campaign's going really well, but they didn't get one contact with the customer because the call was never answered. Now it's our fault yep. that the campaign didn't work. Absolutely. So you want backup for that. You want backup for your call. You can get like signpost has um, the answer in nights and weekends or, you know, if you miss the call, they'll, they'll answer it. So there's a lot of options out there for that. If you haven't tried signposts, you definitely should. We help answer calls, acting as a backstop to make sure your leads don't get missed. We also help build up your reputation by generating five-star reviews. Come check us out at signpost.com. Um, certainly believe that that's worth it and cheaper than having, you know, like, you know, Tommy Mello from A1 Garage, he just has 24-hour employee, you know, like he'll just throw up an employee, like different shifts, right? But most of us are not going to have that kind of staffing right now. But Right. And it's like, you know, that's like phase one, I think, is an answering service. And if, you mm-hmm. get, if you're fortunate to grow your company to the spot where you can have in-house employees consistently answer the phone, that's fucking fantastic. Yeah. But like until yeah. then, do something. And scripts, but also like, you know, something that we've been doing with the person that answers our phone is we have a a loop in place where every single Friday she sends, she, she listens to three of her calls. She takes notes on things that she could improve. And then she sends those notes to myself and the salesperson uh, and our other salesperson. So basically there's like a, there's always an improvement loop in place. You want to, whatever that loop is for you, some kind of improvement loop for that person answering the phone. And, and she's gotten so much better from that. That's smart. What else do you got going on? Let's just shoot the ship a little bit uh, here at the end. What, what's what's new? And I always like talking to you, Mike. So what, what, <laughs> Yeah, likewise, what dude. Yeah, let's just fucking chop it up. Um, yeah. We did... We did a drop off today down at the local children's hospital. Uh, mm-hmm. We donated a bunch of gifts. You know, it's there's just so many people that 
especially during the holiday seasons, it's tough where it's like they don't have the same type of holiday that you and I have, right? Mm -hmm. And there's so many of them. So I've been trying to motivate other people, motivate myself initially because I feel very fortunate to be able to be in the position to help. But like I want to do more as far as like help mobilizing other people to contribute because I, I don't think it's something where people don't help because they don't want to. I just think it's out of out of sight, mm -hmm. out of mind. Like you've got a million things going yeah. on in life. It's easy to, to not think of those things. But like if someone brings this to you and it's like, you know, this person's going to have a shitty holiday. Can you spare 20 bucks? It's like, fuck yeah, I'll give you 20 bucks. Um, our team is doing stockings for a uh, women's shelter. So that will be, I think they're doing that on Monday and that we've done that for the last three, three or four years. So I didn't even think about it this year and they're just like, yep, stockings. So that's sweet. It's amazing. Um, and that's a really good team building thing, man, too. Like, you know, man, it's hard building the culture of people that care about work at all. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's a, it's a world where, like, people are just scared of working hard or, or, like, have animosity towards corporate greed or whatever it happens to be. So if you can kind of get everyone to step back and look at things from a bigger picture with something like this during the holiday season or whatever – it's, it it brings people together and culture and your team and your team can kind of get excited about like my you know what I work for I work for a place that's not just about money like I work for a place yeah. that's like trying to make our our city better and stuff like that like that's ultimately what I'm I hope that we can you know build and, and hey man it's it's hard finding the best people and. And getting them all to be kind of excited, you know, not not all all the time stoked about work, but like good vibes at work. So like this is a great, you know, a great thing to bring your people together too. Yeah, I could I couldn't agree more. And it's one of those things where like I want to change the narrative from like you know just Mike's an asshole to Mike's an asshole, but he cares, right? Yes. <laughs> No, all jokes aside, it was actually, you know, we did a room to room and it was a newer employee and she's killing it. And like, I'd given her the option because it's one of those things where it's like, you're going to a hospital where there's sick children. Like, do mm -hmm. you, I don't want to assume that you want to do this because you might not want to do this. It's probably yeah. going to be, you know, to some degree sad, uh, but at yeah. the same time, equally, if not more fulfilling. So, you know, I kind of put the ball in her court. Uh, she was happy to do it and said it was a great experience. So, um, she executed the actually door to door delivery of it. So it was, um, yeah, dude, I just, uh, we just want to do what we can. And if a byproduct of that is having a strong culture, like that's fucking amazing. Um, yeah. totally. You know, Let me ask you this. What is your stance on like people, businesses, advertising things that they're doing to help other people? I hear a lot of yeah. polarized um, opinions on the topic. So I'm interested for your yeah. take on it. Um, I don't think it should be, you know, you should try to make it not your primary reason for doing it. Of course. Um, I think if every single time you do something nice for people, you have to tell, you know, you have to broadcast it publicly. You might just examine your, your reasons. Right. Um, that being said, I think I'm a little bit more on the side of who cares. The thing got done and is good. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like who cares? Like unless you're sitting in their face with the camera, like being weird about it and dehumanizing them, which is odd. I do think like a lot of people do that, and that's odd. 
it's okay to broadcast it, man. Like, and it's good for, it's like I said, it's good for employee branding and it's good for, it's, it, you know, it's, I feel like it's more for, if you're doing it for anything publicly, to me, it's more for employee branding than for customers. Cause right. I don't know. I just think it's more of like, it, it's, it's more valuable to potential employees that are like, Hey, I want to do something at work. That's not just, you know, just about money that's a little bit bigger. And I, I personally think that, so basically I know that people have strong opinions about that, but I would ask those people, are you also doing a bunch of stuff for your community? So the opinion's great, but are you also doing stuff for your community? Cause I'd be more concerned with doing more for your community than being mad at other people for sharing the fact that they're doing stuff for their community. As long as you're doing that, then, then you have as much a right to opinion and I'm not mad at you for having that opinion. I just say the doing of the thing is more important than whether or not you share it. Yeah. And I think it's hard to parse out like motives. Like if you've got yeah. a company that's doing a ton of shit and they broadcast 15 things they've done this year, like maybe they've done a hundred, but how are you going to know that? And it's like, why yeah. would you have ill will towards somebody who's making a positive impact? And, and the reason I ask this is because I've been asked a ton is in, you know, in marketing and advertising, I'm sure you should like, you know, yeah. we did this this year. Is this something that we, we did a roof giveaway? We yeah. did, you know, to a veteran, let's say, should I advertise? I'm like, why wouldn't you like that's something I don't think it's really going to sell you that much business. If you advertise, you know what I mean? Like it, it's a little trust factor, but I don't think it's like a while. Like everyone's going to want to work with you because you give a free roof away every six months. Like I just, yeah, I don't, I don't think so necessarily either, but it's like, I think that, you know, you're trying to like, if you're a good person, you want people yeah. to know you're a good person. Sure. Right? Like, I don't yeah. want you to assume that I'm a piece of shit if I'm a good person. Because that's yeah. unfair to me. And, like, that's going to affect yeah. the quality of the relationships that I have in life. Sure. So, like, you're probably likely going to consistently do things that show people that you're a good person. And you're going to talk yeah. about things that you do, interests that you have, that kind of demonstrate that as well. Like, how is yeah. it different in that context? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it really is that much different. That's why I don't think it ma like it just doesn't matter to me that much. Just, like I don't I give just, a fuck, Mike. Think, Let me get off here. I don't know. I think I think it comes off weird if you you know certain ways you do it. You do have to be conscious if you're thinking about marketing. Is this effective for marketing? I don't think you should do it just for marketing. You know what I mean? Like if that's the reason you're doing it, I don't know if it's that good for marketing. I don't, I mean I think it's okay. I think it's yeah probably a lightly good. I don't think it's an, it's so much work, dude. If you're doing like, if you're going and volunteering at a food shop, that's a lot of work for just marketing. And maybe, right. maybe, it, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. But what else do we, I, I always like get shy around leadership topics because I feel like I just, I feel like I'm supposed to be older. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I should have a, a beard and a, like all white hair or something before I talk about leadership, you know? Why, why do you feel that way, Tim? I don't know. I mean, I always judge people, man. I always judged my like pastor, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, huh, really? Like in anything that's like real deep and about like ethics and about leadership and about morality and all these things, I'm always like, I just, I judge people and I'm like, are you really qualified to talk about something that intense? Like, I feel it's probably self, like self-esteem and like a little bit of like, imposter syndrome probably i mean those are distinctly different topics like ethics and leadership and you know yeah. there's plenty of leaders that are 100 percent not qualified to speak on ethics 
No, you're you're absolutely right, but I think a lot I would I think this is a great topic, by the way. I think a lot of people that do really big things in business with some very visible exceptions, like mm-hmm. some of the most um, visible people are exceptions because there's a lot like they're just spicy and interesting. So people see them. I think a, a lot of people that are very successful have high ethical standard. That's something I believe. I, and I see it, you know, like a lot of people that aren't famous, you know what I mean? I see leaders that are crushing it and that are very good leaders and have a high, like they have a pretty good moral compass, partly because I believe being a leader requires you. Now I'm talking about leadership. Shit. Um, see, I did requires that. Requires you to like, like it, it tills you up like a garden, man. It like, it rips you apart. Leadership hurts. And it forces you to become a better person because if you don't, people won't follow you. People don't. I feel like my earlier self, I love him, but like three or four years ago, like he needed some like character work. Like I had to grow. It hurt. It hurt. People would punch me in the gut. People would hurt my feelings. People would challenge me and tell me like, you're doing this wrong a lot because in leadership, people have a lot of opinions, man. Like people have a lot of opinions about the fact you're doing something wrong. And so, and and you can't always just impose your will in my experience. And in my last, in the last thing that I did before this, I wanted to be a leader. They even gave me a title that was a director, but no one was following me. You know what I mean? And like, when I got into my own business, I had to like, start to think about like, how will I get people to really follow me? Because if I don't figure this out, if I can't figure this out, it's going to be really hard to go past like seven and people on my team. Right. And so now I feel like I've just gotten slapped around a bunch and it's been good. I'm saying it's been good. I'm grateful for it. I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity because I was wrong a lot. And I feel like forces like because, I'm, you know, maybe it's just me, but like I was forced to reexamine the way I think about a lot of things. And it required me to level up in my character. And I think a lot of people that are very successful have that experience. That's what I believe. And I know it's an, I know it's a, a stance. Hold on a second. Oh, badass, Mike. So <clears throat> you're saying that in your experience, the majority of leaders operate with, a, a moral compass that points towards being ethical. I would say a large percentage of the very successful business leaders that I've seen. I'm not saying leaders. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying business leaders that I've seen tend to, and I would even add that didn't get like VC funding or some kind of crazy funding that like okay. bootstrap their business from scratch small businesses, entrepreneurs that like had that's to learn a, that's a big qualifier. That's a very big qualifier. Yeah. And I should say, those are the main ones I know. Corporate okay. people don't hang out with me. So I don't know what corporation leaders are. I know what small business leaders that really built their thing up to like five to 50 million that I've hung out with tend to be people that like really had to mature faster than they wanted to. And, and 
like emotional intelligence was important to their business. I would agree with the statement that the further you remove, like if we have a spectrum, right? And this is a one person show that does a hundred dollars in revenue a week. And this is a $10 billion company. The further you move away from that $10 billion company, the more likely that the leadership and the people in leadership on this side of the spectrum are going to be ethically sound, whatever that means. You and I know there's like a bunch of like low end, unethical contract. There is. And, and sure. roofers would be the first to say there's a lot of people out there that sometimes they don't intend to do. I'm not saying that you're intending you have bad intentions, but there's there is a good chunk of people that are kind of scrapping and scraping around in certain ways that are like. Um, unethical. Like, so I, I think that, yeah, my, my reasoning behind that is this, yes, and that's not to say that I'm not even saying that there's a majority of people at that hundred dollar a week revenue. I'm not even saying necessarily that the majority of the people are ethically sound as leaders. Yeah. I'm just saying, I yeah. feel like the closer you get to that and the further you get away from the $10 billion company, the more likely they are to be ethically sound mm. and have a, a moral compass. Um, mm that points towards ethics and and being ethically sound. And here's why I say that when you get in a position like a a corporate, a corporate structure and you've got your org chart and there's 15 levels, 30 levels, right. Of management, or maybe there's seven, whatever the case may be. I've always felt through my experience that it's almost next to impossible to carry out the business and run the business the way that you want. Cause it's not your business. And there's a lot of times that I've seen from the outside looking in, people have to make really shitty decisions that really contradict how they feel and what mm. they feel is right. Because somebody in the chain of command, two levels higher of them, higher than them ordered them to do that. Yeah. And you probably have more, you have more experience in situations like that. I've never worked in a corporation, so I don't know. I, I have bad opinions of corporations, (laughs) but I don't have a lot of experience. You know what I mean? Like to be real with you, a lot of my opinions about corporate America would come from like television or movies. Cause I'm not, I I've only worked in small businesses in my adult life, except for like, service industry like when i was a valet and stuff like that like other than but i wasn't like up in the high rise like or like amongst a bunch of like middle managers that were doing weird stuff but i definitely could see that i think that there's there's certainly some and you know the incentivization gets weird and even just like if you're if you're a corporate um if you're a c-level person at a big corporation you know you're your obligation is a little bit to your stakeholders right. sometimes. And I, you know, I tend to think that like as much as we can do on our own without taking funding and stuff like that, so that we have, we're mostly focused on, you know, what's right for our clients. And even if it's not like insanely profitable every single moment, you know, like I think that that's, that's what I like about small business. I think that, um, Hey, you know, I and I don't look down on every corporation. There's certainly ones sure. that are more obviously uh, morally askew. 
Yeah, there's there's yeah, there's some that are obviously more morally askew, but I yeah, I guess I was kind of talking about that small business to like 100k thing every or 100 million thing where I've talked to these people and I've hung out with them. You know what? I think it's like I think under 100 million and some systems are still considered small business. I don't know how that's the case, but you know what I mean? Well, like, if that's the case, I'd love to be that small business. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to be a small business. Maybe this is something where we set up a panel and we talk about this. This will be a lot of fun to to talk to people that are at 10 million, they're at 20 million, they're at 50 yeah. million, have been in corporate, have like, been in corporate. If you're a good person or not, you know? Yeah. First are of all, you- are you a piece of shit or no? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's I've fun. always liked working with small businesses. Like I love work. The reason I like working with two to $10 million growth mode roofers is because I like the lack of bureaucracy that comes with the, right. you know, not having to talk to five people to make one decision. That's what I like about small businesses. Like I like moving fast. Maybe my mind will change, you know, if we ever go past that, cause I've never, you know, like before I was 1 million, I liked working with companies that were pre 1 million. You know what I mean? Like, so sometimes it's like, I, I'm familiar with this type of business. I understand the problem so I can really relate. You know what I mean? Like I really relate to a lot of the problems in small business. Yeah. I agree with the bureaucracy thing. It becomes when you have different people and like, it's obvious that like, okay, if the purchase decision is in the hand of one person and we're pitching that one person, it's obviously to our benefit that there's only one person involved, but like removing the sales side out of it, when you're talking about maneuvering through nuances of a campaign and you need shit done, if you're talking to one person, but the other, there's two other people that are involved with actually executing the things that you need and you're consistently creating friction within your process as the marketing agency and things aren't being done as expeditiously as we would like to get the result that we'd like, it's, it's fucking challenging. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I agree with that. Uh, now, that's not to say that a $20 million roofing company can't have the people in place where all your meetings are with those four people. They're, they're always diligent about being there and they're responsive and they're executed. Like, I'm not saying that that can't happen, but sometimes it just takes a little bit more effort. The communication side takes more effort. And uh, especially the, like my first couple of years in business, I, it was hard to do the communication and the work like sometimes the communication started to cut into like i've got 20 hours to work on this client and 10 of its emails or like phone calls and stuff like that and like so but you know now we have more people to kind of like handle communication and stuff like that so like i am but you know that's where it's just you don't want to waste your marketing agency's time with insane amounts of communication you know you want to set up chunks of work and and let them execute on that so they're not spending all their time just like you know you don't don't want to be the homeowner asking questions about every step of the way during the install yeah exactly and i mean like we all you know have that client or whatever i'm not really ripping on i'm just saying like ultimately the the you get the most out of it when you set up kind of chunks you know and this is our result that we're moving towards and and you let them execute you know we talk about folks that should be doing some marketing themselves do you believe me on that by the way do you agree that some at some levels you should be scrappy and do marketing yourself 
Fuck yes. The answer is not always throw money at it. Yes. I like that. But my question for you also is when do you think there's some roofing company owners that should just go work for somebody else? And when do you see that that's true? If that, if you do agree or, or do you oh, agree for sure? When, when is that? Cause like it is a thing. And some people would say this person should not do that. And some people would say that person should not have their own company. Like it's funny you say that. Cause I've got a list of seven people right here. <laughs> One second. No, um, here it's it, and you could take that spicy take, but I'm going to I'm going to step back from that for a second. Like there are plenty of people that are in business that probably shouldn't be in business, and like that's okay, right? You'll you, not everybody. I was just talking. Who was I talking with about this? Oh, Jordan Harrison. There's plenty of people who look at a business and like let's say they're an installer, they're a salesperson, like I'm going to fucking open a business because this dude's killing it they get into it and realize, holy fuck, there's way more than me just, you know, filling out orders or me installing these shingles to running the business that I never even thought about. And to step back from that is like, okay. Right. So like to, uh, to, to take, like shoot your shot. And if you realize that it's not for you, who gives a fuck, right? Go back and work for somebody else. When is that timing? Right. I don't fucking know. Like that's, that's an impossible question to answer. But if you're consistently not winning, and like winning can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Like yeah. maybe, maybe your family life starts to suck because you're spending too much time doing shit that it takes to run a business. Maybe you're not good at delegating. You're a fucking control yeah. freak and you can't let go of the vine. That being said, your first couple of years, no matter what are going to look like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> your, your family life is going to suffer some, yeah. no matter what from this, I'll just throw that out there. But Right. But not everybody has the same tolerance to be okay with that. Right. Yeah. So if you're six months in, you're like, dude, I don't even get to see my son anymore. This is fucking awful. I'm going to go back and (laughs) sell root. No, seriously. Like, yeah. Take a step back. Then if you don't want it, if you don't want your life to look like that for at least the next two years, then check out, go sell roofs. Like you'll make a good living. You can spend the time with your family that you want. No harm, no foul. Like I applaud people for taking, taking that shot. Somebody was talking to me the other day and they're like, I don't know, maybe I should. I mean, people talk to me about stuff. I'm like, I don't think I should be advising on this. Like somebody is like, I made 200 K last year and I'm thinking about having my own business because I have a problem with the leadership. And I just want to tell you, dude, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Right. If you're making 200 K working for somebody. I just want you to think long and hard about whether that 300K is really worth the pain of business ownership. It's not, dude. It's not always. I'm not saying it isn't for you. I'm saying it's just not always. It's 200K is very good. Like, if you're able to make that as a salesperson, it's really good. And there's a bunch of other stuff, like Mike is saying, that you got to do and you're going to, you're going to, You're going to have, it's going to feel like you have three jobs. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying, like, if you're ready for it to feel like you have three jobs, five jobs. Well, that's crazy. Well, and that's the thing, right? Because like, if you look at it in the context of like a roofing company, you know, you get to a million, million and a half, like you got to start making some changes where you're not wearing seven hats anymore. 
And it's not, there's not a guide that you can click a link to and get or DM Mike and get that can tell you, Hey, when you hit 1.25 million, now it's time to hire this person. Now, when you hit 3 million, you need four salespeople. Like that shit is fluid and it relies on you being very aware of everything within the business consistently to make the judgment call of when that is. And you're going to make some wrong calls and you have to be okay with that. And you have to be able to, to move on from that and make those future decisions. That shit's not easy. It's not. Mm. That's so good. So what kind of DM guide can you get? You can get a guide if you want step-by-step. I got I got a few different guides, but we're going to talk about two of them here. Um, yeah. I created a guide that's going to help you understand how to find local community groups in Facebook to where you, yourself, your sales team, whomever within your company can isolate these opportunities and then get into those, those groups, those ecosystems. I also have a second guide and the second guide is going to take you through. This is not approved. No, <laughs> we only approved Mike for one guy. The second guide. No, that's going to, that's, <laughs> that's going to tell you, like it's going to take you through step-by-step step, a systematic approach to then bring your customers and get the most out of those groups. Right. Oh, that, those, are both, those are both about the same thing. The, the one is yeah, about one, getting in the group. Yeah, because I created the one, right? And this is this is one of those yeah. things as an owner. Like you write, you do shit, and then it's like, oh, fuck, I missed the mark. So I created the guide that tells people how to do it, right? The Kind of yeah. like a script, examples, things like that. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. well, fuck, if nobody knows how to find the groups, what good does this do yeah. anybody? So then I created mm-hmm. the other guide, which is like, okay, this is how you actually find the groups. I'll have the, I'll, I'm a man of my word, if nothing else. So I will have the comment below post ready by 8 a.m. and on my Facebook page. So it shouldn't be hard to find Michael Stearns, S-T-E-A-R-N-S on Facebook and look for the post and then drop the comment. Hmm, what's the comment going to be? Tim, what do you think the comment should be? It's your show. You're letting me broadcast here. What, I, like, what? I like the idea of just free leads. Free leads? You should just say free leads. Yeah. I was going to do something like happy holidays. Something like that, but we'll do free leads. I might Dang. fuck around and make them do free leads and happy holiday. If you want both guys, <laughs> if you want both guides, comment free leads and happy holidays. <laughs> well, now you'll know who will uh, actually watch this thing um, because they'll. You're not going to make them do happy holidays, but my guys are going to say free leads, happy holidays. That's, That's attribution. Attribution, baby. and I'll chop you out the seven cents for for each inquiry. It'll be great. Seven cent leads through the Hook Agency podcast. Now with a with a golden skull and cowboy hat behind it. If you don't listen, if you don't watch the YouTube version, you should because you're missing out on this. Where'd you get this fucking guy? Uh, Amazon. Nice, dude. Where'd you Where'd you I get did, the the cowboy hat? I just happen to have this around. That's the one you did the commercial in. Yeah, wearing yep. too many hats. Yes, you're wearing too many hats. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, that was a fun commercial. I saw a lot of those so, last week in Vegas. By the way, that fucking rodeo. I mean, the Cowboys really? were ubiquitous. We'll say, yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and with ubiquitous, we'll sign off. Uh, this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. 
put on by hookagency.com, hook agency all over social. Mike, where do they check you out? How can they um, see your website and find you on social? Yeah, www.ascendigitalexperts.com. You can follow us, I mean, pretty much on any platform. Facebook, I'm most active on Facebook, but um, if you want to go to, like, I strongly suggest you subscribe to YouTube. It's at Ascend Digital. Um, go check us out. Gang. On a gang. Coming at you live in 4K. Peace.